Friday morning, you savages. It is I, Connor. This is the Hoopercast Friday film news dump. You made it to Friday morning. Get your cup of coffee, just like me sitting here drinking this delicious coffee. Uh, this is where I am going to break down a few film news stories that we didn't get to this week and leave you with some thoughts before the weekend. Now, if you are listening to this show, then you are a mega fan of the Hooper cast or maybe not a mega fan, but you, you, you're here for film news. You're not here for one review or a different review. You're here to hear about film news. So I'm assuming if you're here, you're interested in what I've got to talk about. So we begin with the, uh, the big story. Sure. But universal and dreamworks films now have a new home for streaming. All these stories and all their links are going to be in the show notes. So if you want to go read up on them and I encourage you to do that, don't just take it from me because I am cherry picking parts of these articles, you guys. So, Fair warning, I'm curating the content here. This is not straight up. Um, I'm not going to read all these articles in full. But from this story on Gizmodo, Universal and Peacock announced that beginning in 2022, all Universal filmed entertainment group projects from branches, including Focus Features, Illumination, and DreamWorks Animation, will be available on Peacock four months after their initial releases in the theaters. In a public statement, the companies said that Jurassic World Dominion, a new original film from Jordan Peele, DreamWorks Animation's The Bad Guys, and Puss in Boots' The Last Wish, and Minions' The Rise of Gru will be some of the first titles hitting Peacock in 2022. So I'll say that again. They will be available on Peacock four months after their initial releases in theaters. Matt Strauss, NBC Universal's chair of direct-to-consumer and international markets, international markers, excuse me, emphasized that the studio is focused on turning the platform into a go-to destination for movie fans. Quote, since launching Peacock just one year ago, we have seen incredible viewership of movies and continue to expand our catalog with a range of films for every fan and occasion, Strauss said. Universal Filmed Entertainment Group has been a fantastic partner we are excited to not only bring their amazing slate of blockbuster films and beloved franchises to Peacock in the first pay window, but also provide a steady stream of fresh original films exclusively for Peacock customers throughout the year. So that's an interesting announcement because, you know, everyone's getting streaming services, right? I mean, like, uh, you know, as soon as uh, Disney and HBO, so it's like, okay, all of Disney's stuff and Fox stuff, everything Disney owns is going to go to Disney Plus or it's going to go to Hulu because they have a controlling interest in Hulu. Um, everything that Warner Brothers makes is going to go to HBO Max. So there's that as well. Oh, Paramount Plus. So Paramount's movies are going to Paramount. And, you know, so, you know, another big studio is going to be Universal. What, what are they going to do? And now we know it's 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 wasn't a huge secret to assume what they would do. It'd be Peacock. So what's not in this story is which uh, membership tier you're eligible for here because they have a free membership tier. They have four ninety nine to get more access to some stuff. And then they have a nine 99 thing where you have a uh, broader access with no ads. So I'm going to guess if we're going to just use HBO max as the model here, I'm going to guess that anything new release, uh, once it's out of theaters, is going to go to the premium tier of Peacock, which makes sense. If you want to make any sort of money, Four months, though, is a long time for something to be in theaters before people go like, oh, here's another one. It's this is way tamer than than some of the other streaming service, you know, like the same day stuff with HBO Max or the premiere access with Disney Plus or just or just the straight up giving it to us like with the Pixar films. Um, but four months is a long time for something to be in theaters and make its money for the studio the traditional way. Um, and even if they stay there that long, because here's another story on deadline, right? 
this story on Deadline, um, could streaming lead to the rebirth of, of the theatrical experience? This is by Dade Hayes. Dade Hayes on the radio. Uh, So here's from the story on Deadline. One complicating factor is the role played by streaming services during the pandemic. While most other aspects of American society and business entered hibernation for weeks or months, streaming boomed and kept on booming. Netflix added as many customers in the first half of 2020 as it did in all of 2019. During the theater closures that shuttered venues in major cities for nearly a year, licensing to streaming ended up being a viable business alternative for suddenly revenue-deprived studios. Dozens of films, large and small, from Coming to America and The Trial of the Chicago 7 at Paramount to Greyhound at Sony and Finch at Universal have been offloaded to streaming over the past year. In most cases, the figures are vague. Borat's subsequent movie film, Amazon reported last fall, was enjoyed by, quote, tens of millions of Prime members in its opening weekend. Eric Wold, an analyst with investment firm B. Riley, is bullish on the ability of both distributors and exhibitors to effectively cleanse themselves of laggard deals thanks to COVID. Good riddance to the old window. Good riddance to the old windows, he says, with their stale titles obligated to play to empty auditoriums for weeks. A more variable windowing approach, he says, can quote optimize the performance of certain films and the entire theatrical exhibition ecosystem. Strong films will play through traditional uh, window links, and poor performers will utilize the positive optionality of these agreements to free up auditoriums and potentially drive greater revenues for all involved. Uh, so what he's essentially saying is, and this again, this is the ongoing conversation about how is streaming and these deals, how is that changing theater going? Um, begun by the pandemic, you know, we're bursting a bubble that was already building. Um, we've talked about this so much on our show. So if this is your first episode, um, go back and listen to us talking about, uh, just go from the, from the beginning of COVID, just go through the episodes and find where we're talking about this subject. And and we've talked extensively on it till we're blue in the face. And this is this this article doesn't offer answers. This is just more questions. Hey, we're still talking about this. Hey, it's still an issue. What are we going to do? And so I want to discuss this more with uh, with Dustin, um, but it's a continuing conversation. Um, It's a little bit out of my depth to speculate on it too much. Um, But I will say that, again, I'm in favor of a hybrid model. And if they can find an arrangement, the studios and the streamers to say, you know, hey, yeah, we want to have 30 days theater exclusivity. Um, again, I'm just make, pulling this out of thin air. This is what I would think would be fair, you know, four to six weeks of theater exclusivity, you know, cause that's when it's going to make the most movie anyways. Um, so I, the way I understand it is you sign a certain, you sign a certain amount of weeks or something into the theatrical window. And what uh, Eric Wald is saying with, with B Riley, what he's saying is that, Sometimes when a movie is performing poorly, you're just stuck letting it continue to show in theaters for like, you know, a million dollars a weekend uh, of revenue because um, it's not doing that well, but we have to leave it in there for a certain amount of time and it costs money to keep it in theaters. So what he's basically saying and what this is making me think of is make the con, you know, negotiate the contracts however you want. But if you think, you know, if you want to have, hey, we'll agree to 30 days or four weeks, whatever, four weekends of theater exclusivity before we have the option to put it on our platform simultaneously and offer it to our subscribers and, um, or pull it from theaters and only offer it on our platform. So again, I'm in favor of more choice. I don't, 
I, I, of course, am not in favor at this point of, no, you have to show up for this amount of weeks. Like, why though? What, because you can make money? What about what the consumer wants? What about what we want? Like, well, let's, let's negotiate. So this is going to be interesting going forward, obviously. So other people in the story are pointing out with, that with their upcoming slates of films, streamers argue that theaters are going to want these films in their cinemas. Netflix is making that argument like, hey, we've got some good shit coming out. You're going to want to you're going to want to to pay us to exhibit these. So uh, it can work both ways. But I, I, I see this ultimately weakening the theaters. But he makes a good Eric Wald makes a good point. If you can move inventory out of theaters that's not even doing that well, you free up those theaters and those showtimes for other films that that may want those spots. Let's get creative. Let's figure it out, and then let's 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 go into twenty twenty two and twenty twenty three with a a new look outlook on this. And while we're at it, let's rethink what we think of as financial success for films. Um, so that brings me to this story on IGN. Speaking of deals and where the power is going, Marvel is done with multi movie deals. Okay, so in the past, you know that you have like these nine films that uh, um. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson is signed for, and it's like, oh, well, they're not going to kill him. He has five more films <laughs> on his on his picture deal. So this is uh, this article is by um, Adele Anchors on uh, IGN. So it's just a little blurb, so I'm just going to pull a little bit from this. But uh, during a recent interview with The Hollywood Reporter, F- Kevin Feige explained that Marvel is moving away from the massive multi-movie deals it once offered to its stars. Instead, he hinted that the talent will stay on board and return for additional projects if they're enthusiastic about the universe they've become a part of without needing an expansive contract. Feige explained, quote, It varies project to project, cast to cast. Really, what we want are people that come in, are excited to be in the universe, are excited at the opportunity to do more things, as opposed to being locked into contractual obligations. What this means for talent coming to the films is that, hey, the number one complaint or the thing you'd hear from actors who are not interested in doing Marvel films is the the the, the practical logistical reason, even though I'm sure it pays a lot of money, is... Um, you're signing away too much of your life. You're committing to multi-picture deals. You don't even know, you know, most of the thing, most of the movies that are on those deals at the time are untitled or unspecified Captain America project or this thing or whatever. So you don't even know what you're signing up for a lot of the time, except for the amount of films you're obligated to appear in. Now you're compensated for that. It's great for up and coming actors. It's great for exposure, but by the end of it, you know, if you're Chris Evans or Robert Downey Jr., you're grateful for it and you wouldn't go back. But at the same time, it's like, you're signing up for a level of exposure and fame and pressure that that you may not be mature enough to understand at the time that you're signing it. So actors typically tend to go, I just, you know, as much as people want to say, oh, money, 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 money is king. A lot of actors, you know, again, they're rich. So, you know, I don't know if it's really perspective, but but the idea is being that like, you know, there's more to this lifestyle than just money. It's my time. It's my freedom. It's my anonymity. It's my privacy. And if you know that that's all going to change by signing a piece of paper, Chris Evans almost didn't become Captain America. He, he turned it down a couple of times. He didn't want to do it because he was afraid that it would upend his personal life. And it kind of did. It wasn't as bad as he thought it was going to be, but he was right. Like it, it changed his life. He couldn't go anywhere without being recognized. And, you know, a lot of times that's 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 no bueno. Um, cynically though, this also means that the studio has more power over the talent when it comes to money, right? So you're signing a multi-picture deal, you're signing, you know, 
another, you know, two more films on your contract. If you're Robert Downey Jr., you want $50 million flat or you want a piece of the back end. So that's all negotiable. But, but what it does do is it gives the studio the upper hand to go, you know, if that's just their policy, like we're, we're kind of doing away with multi-picture deals for the most part. One is an audience member you, you don't have to hear about anymore. So you don't, you don't have, you don't get to speculate who gets killed. And these, that's another big problem is people knew that certain people would never get killed in films because they knew that they had so-and-so amount of, you just had to go to their INDB page and see how many films they had left on their contract. Like winter soldier, like, Oh, they killed Nick Fury. No, they didn't. He's only done like four movies. He's got five left. He's not going anywhere. But what that does with the studios, they just go, yeah, um, we don't need to extend your contract. Like we didn't plan five movies with you in it because that would require us to sign you for those movies. So it gives Marvel a little bit of leverage while simultaneously attracting talent because now it's less of a commitment. So hopefully it actually leads to better things. It sounds like a, a weird power play thing, but if you really look at it, it's, it's mutually beneficial. Uh, sticking with the MCU, uh, be sure to keep an eye out for more LGBTQ representation, says Victoria Alonso. This story is on Variety. This is an exclusive story on Variety, and this is by Mark Malkin. From the from the article, so says Marvel's executive vice president of film production, Victoria Alonso, just days after it was revealed that Loki is fluid, meaning sexually fluid, on his Disney Plus spinoff series. Uh, I asked Alonzo if that was a sign of queer things to come. Quote, it takes time. We have so many stories that we can tell, Alonzo said at the Black Widow fan premiere in Hollywood, adding, quote, we will empower those that are. We're not changing anything. We're just showing the world who these people are, who these characters are. There are a lot. There's a lot that we have coming up that I think will be representative of the world of today. We're not going to nail it in the first movie or the second movie or third movie or the first show or second show, but we will do our best to consistently try to represent. I have to be honest with you. It's not a big deal, she said. It is what it is when it suits the character. We're not going to do it because it's politically correct or incorrect. It is what it is. Don't forget, we follow our comics. We try to follow them quite to the T. So in the comics, this is who he was. So I feel like everybody wins here. Um, you want You have groups... Um, who want representation on screen um, uh, to, to varying degrees based on the groups. But, you know, you've been be, the, the gay community has been clamoring for years. You know, let's get some let's get some, you know, some gay superheroes, gay, gay comic book characters. And and there are some a lot of people are like Valkyrie, Valkyrie's Valkyrie's bisexual. Loki, Loki's bisexual. Um, you know, um, the other characters as well, I think. But um, so what Victoria Alonso is saying is like, Yes, um, we we are we are going to do that now. What so it's like that's good for the that's good for that camp. Now, if you're on the other side where you're like, oh my god, of course, now it's social justice. We're going to start making care. We're going to start making characters gay. So first of all, um, it wouldn't be very consistent with people being gay from birth um, if you just made characters gay. Th- that wouldn't really track with what being gay is. Um, <laughs> so number one, that's why that would never happen. But number two, she's like, um, no, we're not going to make characters suddenly gay that, that where there's no comic precedent to that. Um, you know, these, uh, these characters that are gay or fluid or queer are represented that way in the comics already. So what Victoria Alonso is saying like, yes, but don't expect like a windfall of gay characters. <laughs> um, the, you know, 
we're we're gonna we're we're not gonna we're not gonna hide the sexuality wherever it fits of 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 characters who are queer, but we're not gonna like it's not gonna be about that really. I think she was just like yes, but mm, just hold on a second. And again, that that that's how it should be. If this character is gay, let this character be gay. If the character is not gay, don't make the character gay. Doesn't make any sense, and it's not established in the comics. Um. But yeah, and again, if, if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, well, what the hell? Loki's gay? Yeah, yeah. He, well, he's, you know, he's not gay. He's, he's queer. He's queer. He's not all the way, you know, homosexual, no ladies. He is fluid. Watch the show. Um, all right, continuing with Marvel alum, there's also on Variety a great profile of Karen Gillan of Guardians of the Galaxy fame and many other things. This is by Janelle Riley. So they interviewed her about this upcoming film on Netflix, Gunpowder Milkshake and Guardians 3 and Thor and all this stuff. So it's a great article about her. You should go read it. But um, um, but I love Karen Gillan. I read the article and I, I loved it. So from the article, um, up next, Gillan has already shot roles in Judd Apatow's The Bubble and Riley Stern's Duel about a woman who makes a clone of herself. Um. Uh, she's also written another feature, Axe Wound, which she hopes to direct, which would make her sophomore feature following her 2018 debut, The Party's Just Beginning. It's a full circle moment for the actor who says she spent her childhood running around with a camera and making little horror films in her house. So again, I love Karen Gillan. She has amazing range as an actress that's touched on in the article. She's she's able to do the the action, the physicality, the humor, the dramatic um, uh, prowess. She's the whole package. And she, I've listened to her in interviews, um, long form interviews, like hour, two hour long interviews. Um, she seems like a really down to earth person. She seems like a normal person, um, a silly person, a goofy person. Um, you know, I'm really happy for her success. And, um, yeah, I mean, I was first aware of her from Doctor Who. And then, of course, when I, you know, she was casting Guardians, I was like, oh, cool. She's in the Marvel movies. And now I'll watch anything that woman does. She's on my list of people. It's like, oh, oh, Karen Gillan's involved. Done. Sign me up. Gunpowder Milkshake. I don't know that much about that movie. I just know it's coming out next week and I'm going to watch it. And I'm excited for it because I love Karen Gillan that much. Uh, speaking of another young filmmaker whose success I am cheering for, Chris Stuckman. So, Maybe that, you know, that name doesn't mean a lot to you guys. This is an article on Deadline. The writer of the article is Andreas Wiseman. YouTuber Chris Stuckman to make horror movie Shelby Oaks about missing paranormal investigators. This article is kind of like a kind of press release-ish. If you don't know who Chris Stuckman is, by the way, Chris Stuckman is a, a YouTuber, but he's a critic. He's a film critic on YouTube, and he's been on the platform for a long time, 10 or 15 years, and he's he reviews movies. And he's just really, if, if you are remotely a fan of our show, you should go watch Chris Stuckman. Um, although his channel is about to change a little bit. So um, from Deadline, Paper Street Pictures has set YouTuber Chris Stuckman to write and direct the mystery horror movie Shelby Oaks about a group of missing paranormal investigators. The project will chart the story of a fictional mid-2000s U.S. paranormal investigative team called the Paranormal Paranoids. Multiple found footage videos have surfaced online in recent months that prompted horror and alternate reality game fans to speculate about the veracity of the case and the whereabouts of the investigators. One video uploaded last week appeared to show the abduction 
of one of the group known as Riley. So Chris Stuckman is great. It's a horror film. It's right up his alley. That's his chosen genre, I believe. Um, but the reason I like this so much is because I've been following his channel for, for years. Um, you know, we're about the same age. Um, you know, he's, so we have similar cinematic influences, um, and similar taste in movies. Um, so when Chris Stuckman tells me a film, he likes a film or doesn't like a film, I, I pay attention. Um, I back and forth with him a little bit back when I was on Twitter, um, in a good way. He's a very, he's a very great person to follow. And his channel every now and then would be about a specific film topic, like action filmmaking or horror. And a lot of what shaped my sensibilities and my education around the way that you shoot action or the way you shoot horror was brought to light by Chris Stuckman, the stuff I didn't even learn in college. I, I watched him lecture about it on YouTube and I was like, Oh my God, he's right. And that's saw the code in the matrix. So he's influential on me as a critic and also as a writer. Um, he's written stuff for years. He's been directing movies, you know, his own little movies, shooting movies and getting better and better at it and doing more and more projects around the, the Cleveland or Cincinnati. He's at the, he lives in Ohio somewhere. Um, and, uh, doing more with his channel than just reviewing. And, um, so he'd been on this filmmaking journey and that's all on his channel if you want to go look at it. But you know, his announce, I saw the article and then I went to his channel and he had announced it on a video too. Um, so of course he's, he's, he's just like, yeah, I, I, I don't, I've told y'all for a couple of years now, I don't want to be a film critic for the rest of my life. I don't want to tear down other people's films. If I don't like them, I just, I, I want to be making these things. And now he's getting his shots and, um, and so I'm really happy for his success. So I will be checking out Shelby Oaks for sure. Um, just on principle to support Chris Stockman. I love that guy. So that brings me to this weekend in streamings with that. So this is uh, the TV Guide article in the show notes. So I picked out a few things that I am thinking is of note. Obviously, every streaming service has something dropping this weekend. But in particular, Netflix, we have the fourth and final season of Atypical uh, today, July 9th. Um, so I'll be checking that out with my wife at some point. She got me onto that show, so we will finish it together. We've got the aforementioned Gunpowder Milkshake on July 14th, also on Netflix. Going to be checking that out for sure. I've got nothing for Netflix and Hulu. Sorry, Hulu and Amazon or HBO Max. Disney Plus, we have a lot of shark content for some reason. There's like four or five different like killer shark or shark diaries or something. But of course, uh, today, um, we've got Black Widow on premium access. So by the time you're listening to this, I... Well, maybe not by the time you're listening to this, um, but I will be watching that this weekend and we're going to talk about it on the Hoopercast Movie Hour on the main show. So if you want to hear our thoughts on that, um, both spoiler and non-spoiler, we will be discussing the film um, next on the show. Not next, sorry. Tomorrow you're going to hear the Tomorrow War review, but then the next film you'll hear about on our show is going to be Black Widow. Um, So yeah, yeah. that's what's streaming this weekend. I'm excited. Um, there's a lot of good things out that I want to be checking out. Of course, uh, my wife and I started watching Bosch uh, the other night from from Amazon. So I don't know if we'll take a break from that to watch Atypical. I hope not. Um, or if we'll just um, get around to Atypical after Bosch. Either way, excited to have some good stuff in my future to watch. Uh, and of course, the season finale of Loki we'll be checking out as that uh, is happening this week. The final episode of Loki. Uh, on Disney Plus. So the episode 
soon after Black Widow is going to be about Loki. Um, that's it. So stay tuned tomorrow for our review of the Tomorrow War on Amazon Prime. And, um, and then, of course, again next week for Black Widow. Have a great weekend. Stay safe. Stay smart. Stay entertained. Um, and enjoy yourself. Enjoy some good movies. We'll see you back here next week. <laughs>